educate yourself on what makes markets tick. So being able to, to, to evaluate property and value a project is great, but also to see ahead of the curve what may be happening here in the future is, is, is very important so you can prepare yourself and also to stay disciplined. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to mention Door Devil. You know, you know what? I need to mention Door Devil. I need to mention Door Devil to you. It's not just a want. It's a need because you need this. Door Devil, quite simply, defends your home against kick-in burglary attacks. They happen frequently. There are 1.4 million homes that are broken into every year, and a lot of them are done through kick-ins. If you've got a home security system, then props to you. I'm glad you've got that, and that's important. But it doesn't prevent the bad people from kicking in your door, whether it's your front door, your back door, your side door. You need something like the Door Devil, and Door Devil is the best in the business when it comes to providing proof that it works. You can go to doordevil.com and even watch a video with Terry Bradshaw talking about it, and you can see how it works. It's a very simple product to install, but if you're not into that, then you can just hire a handy person and they can they can install it for you very simple put it inside the door frame of your front door your back door every door you have and you can defend your home against the kick-in burglary attacks it's needed in addition this is my brother's company so it's near and dear to my heart and because it's my brother's company i'm able to offer you an exclusive discount because he was so kind to do so you can go when you check out your uh, purchase at doordevil.com and there's going to be a little field you enter the word best ever no space just one word best b-e-s-t-e-v-e-r and you'll get a 20% discount on your purchase so go to doordevil.com go buy it enter best ever and secure your home against kick-in burglary attacks there are so many testimonials on the website you can read them from police officers from a woman who is being uh her house is being attacked from an enraged ex-husband and the door devil defended that attack uh he didn't get in there's like 20 different testimonials from police officers on the door devil go buy it defend your home against burglary kick-in attacks go to doordevil.com and enter the word best ever whenever you check out and you'll get 20% off on your purchase. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluffy stuff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. We've spoken to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and many other successful best ever guests who are real estate investors and entrepreneurs. With us today, we've got a very successful and experienced hard money lender who in the last 16 years has managed over $350 million in assets as one of California's top hard money lenders. How are you doing, Andre Jimenez? Doing real good, Joe. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you on the show. And Andre, we'll get into it in a little bit uh, about his background. But first, really quick, he is the co-managing partner of Windvest Capital and the president of Winvest Corporation, which again is one of California's top hard money lenders. Uh, Been doing over the last 16 years, has managed over $350 million in assets. He brings 
over 15 years of experience in mortgages and currently has a broker's license issued by California. And he's based in San Diego. So with that being said, Andre, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Sure. So uh, our business started uh, back in the 90s. Actually, while I was in college, uh, my father and I were... um, uh, investing in non-performing debt. So we were buying um, non-performing mortgages from banks, bringing them on balance sheet, and restructuring them for a, um, usually a win-win scenario. So in a classic example, these mortgages where, where people were either defaulted or distressed, we would buy them. Uh, they were kind of debt assets on these bank books. We would engage with the homeowners, try to figure out a win-win solution where they could stay in the home. Uh, we were buying significant discounts. So we had good slew or options uh, for them to, to be able to stay in there, resume by making payments on a new payment plan, and then we would go ahead and uh, generate income that way. So we kind of started organically, rather small, built that business up until about 2005. At that point, I got uh, a little uneasy of where the market was heading, so we sold about 90, 90% of our portfolio and uh, kind of waited for the market to crash. And we launched a fund, which is Winvest Capital, to take advantage of what we saw were pretty good buying opportunities after the market crashed. And we did two things. We were still investing in non-performing debt, and that's the genesis of the origination of the hard money lending platform, which we still do today. We also have an uh, investment division uh, where we actually have investment properties. We, we do invest in residential and commercial real estate, apartments, mixed-use buildings, cash flow and producing assets. We typically buy as distressed assets and we make improvements, force appreciation, either sell or keep for cash flow. What are some deals that you've done recently with the distressed properties and you purchase them and then you, you sell them later? I'll give you two examples. On the residential side, uh, we are buying residential single family rentals. Uh, typically, you know, properties need some sort of improvement. We usually rehab them and we'll go ahead and uh, put in tenants. Those properties are more cash flow based, kind of passive. Uh, we have a small portfolio of residential properties that we own and manage as rentals. On the commercial side, it's a bit more involved and dynamic. Uh, the most recent deal that we actually closed was a 41-unit apartment building in Tennessee. We purchased that from a partnership that had gone sour. Two owners kind of couldn't agree, weren't really putting money into the building. It was 40% occupied. Uh, we purchased that last year for about $1.3 million dollars. Uh, we're on the tail end of our rehab stabilization process. Uh, we put in about 300000 We should have the building 90% occupied here this summer, and um, we'll probably keep that one. We're not sure if we're going to sell that or keep it, but in that case, that's a pretty typical example of something that we take that is either being poorly managed or just needs capital improvements. We make those, improve the building. At that point, we determine if we're going to keep it or move on to the next one. What will it be worth once it's 90% occupied? Great question, right? I have, we've looked up cap rates in that area from what we see here, and there's no inventory in this particular market, probably around 3 million over a 12 to 14 month period, so it's not bad. How do you determine if you keep it or sell it? Well, two things. The first determining factor is whether or not it gives us um, sufficient cash flow on a long-term basis and whether or not it's a property in our portfolio that we want to keep, let's say, 10 to 15 years down the line. But the real answer is this. If we can go ahead and roll those profits into the next one, either in a bigger or better project, then we will. The irony is the same type of factors that uh, give us you know, real value once we've stabilized this kind of work against us when we're looking for the next one. And really what I'm getting at is there's just fewer and le- uh, lesser options, I should say, uh, on 
supply. So if we can't identify the next property that we can roll into, then we typically just stay put. And when you say roll into, do you do a 1031 exchange? Correct. Did you buy that property, the $1.3 million property with 1031 money? No. Um, that portion of our business, uh, we just launched that division, I guess, or that platform in our company um, 2015. So we just pulled money out of our funds and directly invested in this property. So it was not an exchange purchase, just straight cash. Okay. You live in San Diego, right? Mm-hmm. And the property's in Tennessee. How'd you find the property? Uh, we have as somebody who works for me who's pretty familiar with the area, who kind of travels around looking for cities and areas of around the country that are, are, are worth investing in. Uh, he has some connections in Tennessee, and he was the one who brought it to us. Was it on the market? It was going to be, but this was more of a pocket listing, so uh, we heard about it before it became public. Okay, but the broker still got their commission? Oh, yeah. So it came from a broker, and how did you assemble the right team to reposition this? That's been a bit of a challenge. So um, as, as I kind of mentioned there in the intro, we listen, primarily 75% of our business right now is, is on the debt side, right? So on the lending, private money, hard money. This new platform, I don't want to call it an experiment, but it's, it's rather new to us. So to answer that question, it, uh, it's still an ongoing process. We found local property management. We kind of partnered up with a contractor in the area who was starting his own uh, property management company. So the timing was good. And we also have somebody who kind of works and travels for us. So his job is to manage the managers. And um, we work very closely with this particular company and individual on setting forth kind of the guidelines and processes that we wanted to see in place uh, just to deal with the property. So it's been kind of a work in progress. But in brief, we just knew somebody who was actually starting a property management company. We've kind of been building it together. And we have kind of contractors in place, which is key, trusted counterparties that we've actually done because we build houses uh, as well. And uh, we were able to actually kind of put all the, the, the teams together based on some past relationships that we've had. Let's switch gears to the 75% of your business, which is the debt side. What's a typical so, deal that you do? Again, I, I, I have to answer that by splitting the, the question in two, right? So on the residential side, we're historically known for our, our fix and flip or rehab program. An average deal there is somebody's going in and buying, you know, either bank REO short sale or a private party sale. Typically, the property is uh, deferred maintenance, or just uh, maybe it's a probate sale they inherited or whatnot. But these guys are going in there, purchasing at a you know discount to true retail value, really adding value by making improvements. So they're rehabbing the property. We're not talking new construction. You know, we're talking thirty to fifty thousand dollar budgets, which is floors, kitchens, you know, all the cosmetic stuff. And then they go ahead and, and flip that property. So they sell it back at retail for a profit. That's our standard deal. On the commercial side, it's a much more of a dynamic answer. Uh, we have several products and guidelines here, but um, most of what we focus on on the commercial side is the same example I gave you here on the multifamily apartment buildings, except instead of buying and operating one of those, we're actually a lender on those. So people who come to us for loans on the commercial side really can't go to a regular bank for any variety of reasons. Usually it's because the building's not stabilized yet. There's typically some hair on the deal, and that hair can be different. But in most cases, it's just uh, the building doesn't meet the, let's say, conventional uh, lender guidelines yet. So they go in there, they improve management, they make improvements, they fill up the building, and then they exit conventionally. So it's bridge loans? Typical deals, 12 months or less. Mm -hmm. What do you look for from the actual person or group 
from a liquidity, net worth, and experience standpoint? Again, on the residential side, we're a little bit more forgiving on experience because if you don't have experience, but you've been, let's say, going through a program or you've been in the industry or working in real estate, for example, and you have a good team around you, we will, we, we will look at that. But we do like experience and we prefer someone who has at least a couple projects under their belt and they understand the process and they have the teams in place. The uh, net worth requirements on the residential side, that's a tricky one. We, we, here's my answer. We typically look for them to have uh, $20,000 liquid for every 100000 that we're lending. Now, the liquidity thing can be personal money or it could be a financial partner, right? So most of the guys that are actually rehabbing houses aren't putting up their own money. Typically, they're using us for the majority of the money as a first position loan, and then they gap the deal by raising money through uh, kind of private parties. You know, doctors, lawyers, people are just investing you know, twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars towards the project. So I'm not too worried about whether or not it's the borrower's money as much as if the money's available. It can carry and service the debt, and they can pay for the expenses, repairs, and so on. On the commercial side, definitely much more sensitive to experience. Uh, it's much more let's say, complicated and advanced as a model if you're going to go rehab an apartment building versus a house. So typically, we only see some borrower experience, operator experience, and I'll be honest, at the end of the day, it's really just kind of common sense underwriting. With what you've come across on you know the, the different types of loans, what's been something that you've changed over the course of your time lending that has changed as a result of something you learned? What we've changed personally is we're always making improvements to our systems and processes and documentation. Uh, after the boring stuff, the, the, the reality is that the, the biggest changes that we've seen in our industry, specifically on the rehab and residential side, uh, is two things. Number one, we've seen margins go down for borrowers, right? So there's just a less supply and a lot more borrowers out there in the market competing for less inventory. And two, you've seen an influx in a lot of, um, there's just a lot of capital chasing those borrowers. So uh, wherein there was just far fewer lenders back in 2008 because, frankly, they were just going out of business. Right now, there's just a ton of money, and there's even institutional capital at play, and you've got crowdfunding. So what I've seen in the industry is the biggest shift is just a compression across the board. So that means a compression in yield and margins for the bars who are usually making 20 or 30%. At least here in California, now they're down to single digits. And um, on our own internal programs, you know, our cost of debt is far less. So we've passed that through to the bars just to stay competitive. You know, what you could get as a lender back in the day is a little bit different than what you can get today. And is that one of the reasons why you're starting to diversify into 25% of managing those assets and doing more commercial stuff? That's one reason. We wanted to diversify because, frankly, we, you know, we're, we're, we're in kind of a, the maturing or latter stage of the, the real estate cycle. So I always have some concerns. I'm paranoid by nature. I'm supposed to be. Uh, with managing money. So I, I wanted to make sure we had kind of a plan B and if we had to shift gears, so we could. But the reality is um, there's another reason we buy real estate. It makes us a better lender, right? So if someone comes to me and wants to borrow money on an apartment loan and they want to rehab the loan, having done so myself, it makes it a lot easier for me to determine whether or not it's a good project that I should lend on. So just having that experience and being able to parlay that as a lender uh, to us is very valuable. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? <sighs> discipline. Education and discipline. Um, there's a very thin line between being lucky and good in this business. And you kind of saw that in 2007 to 2010, right? Everyone was an expert in real estate and then all of a sudden they weren't. 
So my biggest advice is educate yourself on what makes markets tick. So being able to, to evaluate property and value a project is great, but also to see ahead of the curve what may be happening here in the future is, is, is very important so you can prepare yourself and also to stay disciplined. You know, as we start getting the latter parts of this, this real estate cycle, you know, there's less inventory, the margins are lower, sometimes people get desperate and just out of desperation they start doing things that are out of their wheelhouse or um, things that they probably shouldn't be doing and that can get them in trouble. So educate yourself on what makes markets tick as best as possible and then to stay disciplined in your approach. Um, you know, I always say it's not how much money you make, it's how much you keep. How do you personally educate yourself to understand how markets tick? Good question. Actually, this morning, I usually spend at least one day a week. At this point, I kind of know what makes our markets tick um, as far as you know what causes fluctuations and whatnot. There's, there's people out there you know, that, um, that actually teach how to do that. Some are good, some maybe not so much, but um, you know, I, that's, a, that's a tricky one. I, I know what my, my system is, but I've been doing it so long, it's not something I could probably explain too easily other than I'll say is go back in history, look at what happened, at least in your community, in, in your city, or wherever it is that you're investing, and look for the cycles, trends that I always suggest that you follow. Some are very, very obvious, but um, you've got to look at uh, inventory, right, supply, and demand characteristics. You've got to look at foreclosure statistics, where those things are trending, so it's all trend-based. Uh, you know, inventory going back to you know new home builds, and if you're buying apartments in an area that there's a lot of permits for new construction apartments, that may be a concern. So there's a variety of statistics that you can actually look at and just start following the trends. But really, you have to be a student of history and figure out what drove both a rise and a drop in those real estate cycles. Whose websites or blogs or books do you read to continually educate yourself? Bruce Norris. Uh, if you go to the norrisgroup.com, there's a good blog there. He's uh, he actually educates people on how to invest in real estate, although it's kind of California focused. He's the one who kind of taught me how to read a chart, right, and how to read trends. So he's the only guy I really follow. Other than that, what I do is I already know what I'm looking for trend-wise. Kind of I told you supply, demand, construction. I look at uh, home prices, home price trends. I look at interest rates. All that stuff is just general data that you can get online. But at the end of the day, you've got to really determine what it is that you're looking for, get the data, and learn how to digest it. And if you're not good at it yourself, then look otherwise. And the only other guy I can really recommend strongly there is, is Bruce Norris. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, Matt Bowles, who was a guest on episode 289. His company, Maverick Investor Group, has a special report just for you on how to avoid the seven biggest mistakes in real estate that investors make in the 2016 boom cycle. Get yours free at maverickinvestorgroup.com forward slash best ever. That's M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K investorgroup.com forward slash best ever. Best ever book you've read. Ah, best ever book I read. Um, Unbeatable Mind. Actually, just finished it. Best ever personal growth experience, and what did you learn from it? Uh, market crash in 2008, and I learned a lot about myself, um, sticking to my guns. I learned a lot about staying disciplined and um, you know, how to survive during one of the bigger crises that we've ever experienced here. How do you survive when a big crisis is happening? 
hopefully you would have prepared for it, right? So you're not being reactive. You've got to be proactive. So my only advice there is you've got to take offensive and defensive measures. Always assume that there's going to be a crisis around the corner and prepare your portfolio and your holdings accordingly. Best ever deal you've done? Um, non-performing loan, 2009. We bought uh, non-performing debt against uh, three trophy properties in Los Angeles. And um, we found a resolution where the homeowner was able to keep their properties, refinance, and pay us off. And uh, I think we had a, I don't know, a 40% return on that one. Best ever way you like to give back? Wounded Warrior Project. Are you former military? I am not. How'd you get involved with that? Just always been a big supporter of the military, especially those who have uh, come back and and are having any type of issues. And um, we actually partnered up with one of our borrowers. Uh, REIG, which is a company out of San Diego, on um, a donation campaign. So we would donate a portion of our profits on every deal that we did together towards the foundation. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate so far? It was something that uh, we had intended to buy and only hold for a month and flip out to a bigger institutional investor. Long story short, we pre-qualified the deal with the other investor. We purchased with that exit strategy in mind. And when we bought it, we found out that uh, they had shifted gears and changed their policy and were no longer interested, and we got stuck with it. And it was one of the worst investments I ever made. Long story short, the lesson I learned there is uh, just prepare to eat what you cook. So one of the things I'll leave you with as far as investing advice is you know, there's speculation and then there's real investing. And, and, and speculation is only having one exit strategy. Just make sure you have several that you're going to like. And what's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? You can reach me by email, Andre, A-N-D-R-E, at windvestcorp.com. That's spelled W-I-N-D-V-E-S-T-C-O-R-P.com. Well, Andre, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners and talking about your lending experience, talking about the commercial properties that you're buying now, how you're evolving the company so that you know 25% is focused on more acquisition and management and you still got your sweet spot of 75% focusing on the lending stuff. I'm talking about how you're building out teams in certain markets because that's always a challenge, at least for me. You, know, you, can, you can see properties on paper that look good, but then you actually have to have the local team in place that's qualified to take the business plan and turn it into reality. So really interesting to hear how you've built that out with the contractor who's starting up his own property management group. And then, you know, your macro level advice on always assuming there's a crisis around the corner and prepare accordingly, have that education, have that discipline. And you got really specific with the education point, the norrisgroup.com. So I'll, I'll check them out with Bruce Norris, as well as just making sure that we're continually educating ourselves on, you know, the, the trends that we know of, but perhaps we're not making a conscious effort to track, which is supply and demand and foreclosure, things like that. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Best ever listeners, Matt Bowles, who was a guest on episode 289. His company, Maverick Investor Group, has a special report just for you on how to avoid the seven biggest mistakes in real estate that investors make in the 2016 boom cycle. Get yours free at maverickinvestorgroup.com forward slash best ever. That's M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K investorgroup.com forward slash best ever.